Hey everyone, welcome to the show. This is my podcast where I have deep conversations with the people who are enabling organizations to become ready for the future of work. My guests include mindfulness coaches, the folks behind Singapore's most popular investment app, the MD from OC Tanner, and many more. They all have one thing in common, and that is to help level up your organizations through your people. My guest today is the co-founding director of Dextra Technologies. Dextra is the world-leading specialist in intelligent process automation for staffing and recruitment industry. They offer a competitive advantage through their proprietary technology for high-accuracy, multilingual CV and job housing, cementing search and AI matching, helping organizations to find the best available talent while keeping the cost per hire to a bare minimum. Their solutions seamlessly integrate with customers' current ATS platform and business processes and facilitate on-demand retrieval of highly relevant information quickly, intuitively, and across multiple internal and external databases. As a co-founding director of Dextra Technologies, his core responsibility is to oversee the company's growth and strategic business development across multiple territories. Bringing his experience from several years working in the recruitment sector in London, UK, and combining his industry knowledge with the NLP and AI expertise of fellow founders Steve Finch and Andre Merkiv, the trio established Dextra Technologies in early 2002. From 2012 to the present day, Sergey has been overseeing the growth of Dextra in the APEC region, having set up companies' APEC headquarters in Hong Kong with regional branches in Australia, Japan, and mainland China. Please welcome my guest today, Sergey Makmodov. Thank you so much for coming on to the show. Hi, Adrian. How are you? I'm doing well. It has been ages since the last we've met. I think it has been at least more than six years ago. Yeah, or, or maybe about five years ago. Uh, I don't remember, but obviously the current COVID situation doesn't help it. <laughs> Time seems to pass very differently when you're in the COVID period. But I remember yeah. meeting you at one of the events. I think it was organized by Global Recruiters. You were one of the exhibitors there. But be before we go on, maybe you could help the audience understand a bit more about Dextra and what challenge is it trying to solve? Dextra is a, a software company. We originally started 19 years ago in Scotland, in Edinburgh. And we specialize in delivering robust enterprise-level automation solutions to help recruiters to, to hire quicker. So we deliver efficiencies, we deliver cost savings through these solutions, and the solutions are based on our proprietary text understanding technology to enable accurate matching, resume parsing, and various other, other automation um, uh, processes. So is it is it a platform by itself, or does it work with other platforms to make it work? A, a very good question, to be honest. Uh, when we started the company, we, we had the prototype for our parsing technology. So that, that was designed to bolt on to existing systems. And it just happened historically that from then, then on, we focused on delivering components that are designed uh, to plug in into existing ATSs or recruitment CRM platforms to essentially fill the gaps left by, by those technologies, those platforms, where perhaps the, 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 their own tech stack is not kind of capable of uh, filling that gap. And how many ATS would be your partners right now? We have... 
existing out-of-the-box integrations with close to around 400 of different ATS systems. However, I don't know precisely what the percentage is, but probably around half of those will be bespoke systems. So they're not really, they're, they're unique tailored integrations for just one-time customer. Uh, the rest would be off-the-shelf platforms. So, so some of the largest, uh, most of the largest uh, platforms currently in use are compatible with Dextra. And at any one point, our integrations team is, is performing some kind of integration for our new clients as well. Right. And, and for audience that may not be that familiar with the recruitment space, could you help to deep dive a bit on how your customer, the recruiter, would be handling recruitment before Dextra and how it would change after Dextra come into the picture? Sure, yes. So uh, if we look at the recruitment process, let's let's just be a little bit vague here. It doesn't really matter whether it's uh, an in-house recruiter or an agency recruiter when it comes to what Dextra does, or at least not that much differences, because what we're doing, we're dealing with automating resume intake or data entry onto the database, as well as finding the needle in the haystack in the internal ATS talent pool something that it presents quite a large challenge to existing clients to, well, sorry, to to current recruitment operations for two reasons. One is the data in recruitment is notoriously very, has very, very short lifespan. And the second reason is that there there are, you know, where you're dealing with hundreds of thousands of of candidates or or tens of thousands, in some cases, millions of thousands of candidates on our clients' databases, then finding the relevant skill set on such a large data set is like finding a needle in the haystack. So that's where automation systems like Daxter come in. So on the one hand, we have a robotized workflow system that completely autonomously can perform loading of incoming resumes. And these resumes can be coming from the website, by email, they can be uh, uploaded through some kind of mobile portals, etc. So we capture them at all these entry points, we pass them, we run comprehensive duplicate checks, all of this is automatic. Uh, and the system is even capable of uh, detecting its own errors and then flagging them up. So it, it, it performs this process fully automatically and then roughly about 5-6% of error rate is flagged up for manual inspection as and when time allows. So that's one business process that we automate and that delivers uh, ridiculously high ROI to, to, to some clients. The other one is, is searching and matching. So that platform is designed to plug in and, and be embedded in the existing ATS platform. So it becomes the native search for that platform or an alternative search for that platform and what that allows is essentially it indexes both candidates and jobs and then applies contextual reasoning using our text understanding technology to both types of documents. So when you try to match one against the other or conduct a manual search, then we will present you the results in a ranked order depending on their relevance and not necessarily blindly counting the hits of, of words in the document. Right, that's really interesting. So it really takes a very holistic approach in trying to understand the resume instead of just looking at it as keywords by itself, which of course would be which would be the kind of stuff that recruiters need to know. That's right. That's right. So if we look at any type of resume, and let's forget about the industry for a minute, then we essentially, we strip it down to its uh, bare-bone structure. So the, first of all, we identify, okay, this is the candidate's contact and personal information. This is the candidate's work history information, and this is the candidate's education information, and these are the skills. Now, regardless of the 
original resume format or style or, or which file format it's saved or sent in, then Daxter performs this task. So first of all, it converts everything into plain text and then uses its, its, its context reasoning, text understanding technology to figure out what is what. Once we segmented the resume into these zones, as we call them, we then parse individual zone with specific zone-specific rules, and that allows us to extract information with accuracy that is at, at the level of human accuracy, essentially providing full automation of, of this process. You mentioned that Dextra is able to uh, capture the text from the, the the resume, whatever file format or structure it will be. Because I'm asking this because one of the common questions I usually get from candidates would be, would it, would it be okay if I uh, design my resume if I add some color to it if I put it in PDF would it would it actually matter when I try to push this into the ATS and often I would tell them I'm not really sure it really depends on the mm-hmm. ATS so what, what's your take on this so we are constantly evolving this technology we're seeing the the, the kind of the the new tendencies in the way resumes are designed. And obviously, it depends on the region. It depends on the industry sector. For instance, resumes coming from marketing people or, or designers will have a, a, a very design-oriented look, which makes it a little bit more difficult to pass. So we constantly try to adapt our technology. But our recommendation for job seekers, especially in the current market, try not to overdo your resume. Try to stick to uh, a very clear and clean format. You can by all means say use tables and text boxes and save your resume in Word or PDF, um, but try to avoid putting a lot of logos and pictures because that is not only, it makes it more difficult for the parser to understand what is what, but it's also sometimes can serve as a deterring factor for the Okay, before I, I, I touch on what motivated you to start Dextra 19 years ago, there's another thing that I'd like to share with you. I actually came across this video. It was ripped off from TikTok. And this mm-hmm. guy was actually capturing him gaming the ATS system. And what he essentially did was to match against the keywords on the job posting. Uh, obviously, his resume doesn't contain those keywords. And he would just stuff those keywords into his resume, turn those keywords into the smallest possible font size, and shrink it and, and turn it to white color. So it'll blend in with the background. So his premise is this will help you to get a higher percentage score on ATS and that would help lead you to the eyes of the recruiter. What's your thought on this? Well, the guy's probably right if it worked for him. And <laughs> I would say that we design, designed our technology to... Um, avoid such situations. So we're seeing some CVs where candidates would put their desired kind of, or the skill they think they're, they're, they're very strong in, in white font all over their headers and footers. And yes, with standard conventional search technology, this resume will be picked up. And, 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 and those older kind of generation technologies, they'll count the number of hits in the document. And based on that, will assign a certain rank weight. With Daxter, we pretty much ignore that. It doesn't matter. We look at, okay, is your core skill mentioned in the correct context? Because otherwise it's irrelevant. Let's say I put the word Java on my CV, but what context? I can say in my interest, I'm a big fan of Java coffee. I can say that I'm a candidate born on the island of Java, or I can say that I'm reporting to a Java architect. In either of these cases, the word Java is completely irrelevant to me. So what Daxter does, it will look at, okay, 
is Java mentioned in relation to this candidate as a skill of this candidate? For example, I'm experienced in Java programming. I studied Java programming. I work on Java application development. I'm a full stack Java developer, these kind of things. Uh, and then we look at where in the, the, the current the curriculum, the actual work history hierarchy, these like desired skills are mentioned. If they're mentioned in the most recent work history, ideally in the current job, then then the candidate is actually doing what you're looking for for them to do in the new role. So so that would be a relevant hit. But if they mentioned this word 20 times, but that was 10 years ago, would they want to move? They probably moved on. So that's that's the approach that Daxter take. We mimic the way a human mind understands CVs, and we try to replicate that But when we study how recruiters work. That's really interesting. So for listeners out there, if you're trying to game the ATS system, be aware, Dextra is trying to make that not possible for you, but in a good way, because that is how things should be done. Now, let's yeah, go back to... just maybe comment as well. This is the technology side, but you brought up an interesting topic. And I hear this again and again in LinkedIn discussions on Twitter and in various networking events. So like that example you brought up, if the guy tailors his application to a specific job uh, description. And I hear that as an advice uh, very often. Just tailor your CV to the job. But what does this achieve you? Okay, even if you have progressed and you're in front of the hiring manager, do you think that you'll pass through the interview? I mean, if anything, that might be just a waste of everyone's time. So it's better to study the job description very, very well and then make sure you actually have those skills. And then you need to make sure that your resume is written in a very concise and understandable manner. I mean, if it's easy to read for a human, it will be easy to read for our software as well. But if I see a resume full of different logos and it's, uh, the information is all over the place in a nice PDF, well, what do I do with it? It'll take me longer time to even read myself. Right. So what you're saying is instead of trying to get those keywords into your resume from a job posting, uh, do it the other way around. Look at what are all your strengths, your skill sets in your resume and try to find a job posting that matches that as much as possible. Because in that way, you are able to present the best version of yourself without resorting to all these gimmicky, black hat, keyword stuffing ways to get a hit. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Because what is the ultimate goal? Is the ultimate goal get to, to an interview or the ultimate goal is to get hired? Obviously, it's the latter. So, so you need to think about that. Do I, do I actually have these skills? <laughs> Great advice, Sergey. Thank you so much. So going back, what motivated you to get involved 19 years ago and get extra starting off the ground? Ah, well, that's uh, uh, a good question because what essentially motivated us, my two business partners, my co-founding partners, uh, they developed this technology while doing their PhDs at the University of Edinburgh. And it just happened so that the first application that they tried, so that, that, that technology was very, very raw and it was not applied to any industry, but it was capable to, for example, summarize a, a, a student thesis or an article and say, this is about this and this and this. So that's why it's called text understanding technology. Now, uh, the first commercial application was done as a pilot for a, a small recruitment company in Scotland. And so that's how the parser was born. And at the time, no one was talking about parsing. Uh, I showed it to first prospects. People were thinking it's a bit of magic. But then I, I was working in recruitment in London, and it just happened that we bumped into each other in at one of the conferences in London. We started talking about this, and that is when we kind of 
understood the whole potential of developing this technology for recruitment because the the share volumes of unstructured data that recruiters are dealing with, and this is constantly increasing, it it just presents so much overheads and uh, it's a major bottleneck in the recruitment process. So we decided to to try and apply it to recruitment. So that's the story behind Backstrap. Right. And I have actually seen quite a number of companies doing something similar as well. I actually interviewed the people from Archili in my earlier podcast, who seems to be in a similar space. Are there many other of such competition? But importantly, what is your unfair advantage? When it comes to competition, then we need to, we have competitors that compete with us on certain areas. For example, resume parsing. There we have Archili, we have Sovereign, we have Tax Kernel, for example. We also have regional competitors. So if we go to China, for example, there are a couple of companies with whom we compete only in China. They don't do any other languages. So, so, so that's a competition on the regional level for us. But then we go to matching that we also have. And then we go to various analytical tools or or candidate engagement tools, and then we have different competitors in the in the area. I think our like all time competitor has always been outsourcing of business processes to either other companies or even other countries because it's it's done cheaper there perhaps. So we're trying to we've always been trying to compete with that by delivering a much faster. So it, it may be cheaper, but it's not necessarily faster if it's done by humans in another country. So with our technology, you get the speed. We can process multiple res- hundreds of resumes simultaneously in, in a few seconds. And so the scalability of that and the lower cost, I think, is quite competitive here. But there are competitors and we're constantly competing with, with some of the uh, strongest suppliers in, in certain areas like parsing or, or matching. You, you mentioned about competing... Yeah, you mentioned about competing in China and that means your system would definitely have to recognize and support Mandarin. How many other languages can Dextra support right now? The current count is 42 or 43 languages that we support. Now, about seven of those languages or seven or eight of those languages are still in development or the development was stopped somewhere, which means that we can probably pass personal contact information but not work history. But that still leaves us with uh, with over 30 languages where we can very accurately extract full profile skills and normalize skills uh, and, and competencies. And that includes, if we're talking about Asia, that includes traditional and simplified Chinese, Korean, Thai, Vietnamese, Japanese, and Malay and uh, Bahasa. We also cover European languages, most of the Eastern and Western and Central European. Who would be the ideal customer for Dextra? You mentioned about integration with ATS. So would ATS be your customer or would the end user be actual customers, but of course they somewhat just use you through their ATS? We have some customers who are actually ATSs. So we have a number of OEM relationships, reseller relationships with uh, uh, a range of ATS providers where uh, they use our either our parsing or search and match component or combination of the two. And then when they sell their system, Dextra go in as a, as a standard component. Now, it, it's out, out of our control at that stage, so we cannot deliver any customizations. And then we have end clients, and these are typically 
organizations that are dealing with large volumes of incoming or stored resumes. They can be corporate recruiters or TA departments, or they can be recruitment agencies. So we, we support clients from small boutique firms to uh, large multinational agency clients and some corporate clients that are, that are very, very big multinational companies as well. When you talk about high volume, how many applications are you referring to on a per month basis? I reckon as a rule of thumb, of course, if you have the parser, it will simplify processing even a few resumes, but it does make sense and you can you can calculate and, 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 and derive a very strong ROI from having a Dexter system if you are receiving in excess of two, three thousand resumes per month. And when you have databases with more than like a few thousand, can, a few, few tens of thousands candidates stored. Right. Now, given that you've been in this field, in fact, more than 19 years, I understand prior to that you were in an agency, you must have seen the progression, the evolution of the industry, of the segment. What, what are the key milestones or insights that you, have, you are looking at compared to when you first started and what's happening right now? Yeah, well, even even looking a little bit further, when I first started working in the recruitment industry, so that would be a sort of end of the 90s, then I think the biggest first milestone I saw was essentially shifting from, from fax machines and name cards on your table to actual computers connected to the internet and email. And then we saw job boards. And then there, there were game-changing solutions that uh, were true kind of first automation pioneers in the form of multiple job postings or companies like Broadbean or Conkers, JobAdder in Australia and the likes. And, and also, of course, parsing and semantic technologies. So that came much later, sort of about 15, 20 years ago, the first, first technologies started coming in. And then looking forward, we're, we're seeing that uh, there are some very, very interesting gems coming on the market, very novel, very creative solutions uh, to automate recruitment processes in the forms of candidates' engagement, employee engagement tools, conversational AI and things like that. So I think that, 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 that a very interesting future is ahead of recruitment and HR tech. And over the past two decades, you definitely have been through quite a number of depressing periods, economically-wise. I mean, you, you've probably been through the uh, dot-com crash, the SARS yep. period, the Lehman Brothers financial crisis, and right now we are in the pandemic. How has the pandemic affected your business, and is it any different from the past few crises that you've been through? It has affected us uh, like anyone else, of course. I mean, no one is immune, at least until the vaccine is uh, developed. But yes, I mean, we had to rethink. We had to realign our efforts. Luckily for us, we we didn't have to uh, resort to any kind of drastic measures, uh, uh, cost-cutting or or, uh, workforce-cutting exercises. But we had to realign it effectively, obviously, with all the the lockdowns in all our different uh, global offices in US, UK, here in Asia, it learned us to how we can work remotely. And and what we discovered for ourselves is that with the right systems and and tracking platforms and and things like that, then the performance of your workforce doesn't actually go down. But of course, we're working, most of our clients are, are in one form or another recruitment 
organizations or recruitment departments. And as in any recession, recruitment is one of the first functions within the organization that, that suffers. So it either stops or it slows down. So in that regard, what we're seeing is our customers are, are kind of, let's say, they, 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 they reduce their workforce, but the processes need, need to go on. As in any recession, people, uh, there are more people on the market, there are more job seekers, there are more resumes coming into you. And so it would be very unwise to not utilize this data when it's available in abundance, because each of these resumes, you probably have the majority of them on your database already. So capture them and get the updates, because that is very, very invaluable. We will come out of the recession when we do come out. Those companies who actually maximized on this opportunity of capturing the data, storing it, then they will, they will be leading the, the game. Got it. And what's next on the roadmap for Dextra? What can we expect to see over the rest of this year in 2021? Well, we're continuing, uh, as we have been, we're continuing working in a very, very focused direction in the area of automating recruitment processes. So we can talk about the, the, the actual process automation if you want later, but if you're talking about specifically what products are on the roadmap, I believe, then I'm afraid I probably won't be able to give you uh, too many details about this. But we are, we've just rolled out a very fascinating new version, a uh, new generation of our search and match platform so that's we're very excited about this and there are there are a, a few new products that uh, we're currently prototyping that i'm sure people will probably hear about uh, during the course of next year i just want to segue to some of the things that companies have taken a stand recently in trying to optimize their recruitment process i'm sure you have read this article about amazon using an ai to try and recruit people but the yeah. outcome was not as ideal as they thought to the extent that the, 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 the AI actually somewhat became very single-minded in the kind of people. Basically, an unconscious bias crept into the AI that they have to shut uh -huh. it down. What, what's your thought on this? Is this something that companies should be aware of? Because many companies are right now trying to tout the fact that they have AI embedded into their recruitment solution, into their platform. Would this actually turn around and harm us eventually i haven't seen the article that you're referring to it would be interesting to to get the link for that i think talking of unconscious bias everyone is talking about this it's a, it's a hot topic these days i personally don't believe that software can in any way make the bias worse because inherently the software or any software is not biased people are biased and people can program their bias in the software so we have to be careful about how we configure the software. And that should be a collaboration between the client, the, the actual organization that will be using the software, and the vendor as well. So, for example, in Dextra, obviously, the candidates provide all sorts of information in the resume. Do we make everything searchable or, or, or using as a criteria? No, because we have to follow the certain common sense rules and, and legislations in different regions. So the other thing about bias is, while it's a very relevant topic, it's also important to appreciate that there are cultural, political, religious, and other regional aspects that need to be taken in consideration. 
You can't take some diversity kind of strategy and and, and DNI strategy developed at the head office somewhere in Europe or North America and then extrapolate it across your global offices. Because in Asia, for example, Asia is a a very diverse territory, as we know. Uh, It consists of 48 countries. It's home to 60% of the world's population. And there are over 2,000 languages spoken in Asia. So when we're talking about bias, we need to acknowledge and consider cultural side of of it within each country. For example, in Australia and New Zealand, we would have similar, there would be similar legislations and similar cultural perception of what is biased and what is not biased to to that in UK, US or Canada. But if we look at other countries, it's not the same. For example, in mainland China, it's not uncommon to see party membership on CVs. In some Southeast Asian countries, we often see candidates' religion stated on their CVs. Many CVs from India will, will have names of father or children together with their ages. And then, well, for instance, in Russia, it, it, if you don't have a photo on your CV, it probably won't take you too far with some recruiters. So if the candidates provide this information, they probably expect themselves to be kind of selected by this information. I'm not sure. But it, it definitely has different connotations in different cultures. Hmm. I do like the fact that you mentioned uh, the system cannot ever be biased. It's the people that program the system that may, well, intentionally or non-intentionally, most probably, creep some of those bias into the system, which lead us to where we are today. Yes, yeah. And, and I think ultimately, so the, the technology, if it's configured properly, could serve you as a safety buffer to be protected to, to some degree from being biased if you if you configure the algorithms properly. Um, now, what happens when the software creates a shortlist of five candidates and then you interview them? So that, that may or may not be biased, but it's already outside of the software. Hmm, Roger that. So for people who is interested to learn more about Dextra, where can they go to to find out more? Our website and and various LinkedIn or or Twitter pages will have the contact information for regional offices, so you can can contact your closest regional offices. We have five in in Asia-Pacific, we have uh, Singapore, we have Hong Kong, Tokyo, Sydney, and mainland China. And by all means, feel free to directly get in, in contact with me through the information that Adrian will probably provide in form of my LinkedIn profile or email address. Yep, all this information will be added to the show notes to make it easier for the audience to retrieve. And thank you so much, Sergey. It has been really nice speaking with you and continued success with Dextra. Thank you very much, Adrian. It was great to catch up with you after all these years. Thank you, everyone. Thank you for listening to the podcast. You can refer to the show notes for links to more information about our guests and their businesses. If you enjoyed this podcast, it will be helpful to give a review on iTunes or follow me on Spotify. If you're using Overcast, please hit the star button under the episode. That will help get this podcast and the episodes out to more people who may find it useful. I will see you in the next episode of The Adrian Tan Show.